You are now listening to Debbie Hookson's Big Wisdom Podcast, a thought-provoking, life-changing tool that will help you expand your perspective on living a life you love. Hosted by Debbie Hookson, a life changer, international speaker, and world-renowned author. Why wait a lifetime to make the changes and enjoy the success that you deserve? Welcome to my little podcast of Big Wisdom. I'm Debbie Huxton and I'm so excited to wish you an incredible 2015. As I sit here in my lounge, I'm really excited that I've just been able to take the last six weeks out. Six weeks for rest, recuperation and reflection. A time to recharge my batteries, spend time with my family and focus on my business for the new year and look back on what happened in 2014. Looking back at 2014, it was an absolutely incredible year and I'm really delighted that I got to spend it with many of you. So let's talk about 2015. What have we got in store for ourselves this year? Did you take time to reflect back? And what is it that you really want to achieve this year? What is that one goal that keeps nagging away at you that you still haven't taken care of? Will this be your year, the year that you achieve that thing that you want to? Well, why not? You know, it can be whatever you want it to be, 2015. When I think back to where my journey began, well, it began over 46 years ago, really. I know I don't look it, but, you know, every year that I've lived my life, I've learnt lessons. You know, when I was when I was very young, I learnt to walk, I learnt to talk, I learnt to eat, I learnt, I learnt to hold a knife and fork. As I got older, I learnt to read and write. And then as I gained momentum in my life, I learned to ride a bike. Then in my teens, I learned to drive. In my 20s, I learned how to be a parent. I learned how to stay in a long-term relationship because I'm really delighted to tell you that this year I'll have been married 28 years. 28 years to the same man. And he's incredible. He's incredible because he's on the same journey as me. He's empowering himself daily to learn more about himself. And he's courageous enough to stay committed to me. And we are consistent in the actions that we take every day. As I moved through my 20s into my 30s, I learned that there was more to life than I imagined. As I moved from my 30s into my 40s, I learned that money wasn't there to prove my worth. And when I think about two words that really changed my life, I want to share that with you today. I want to share with you a recent blog post that I wrote. And this will be part of forming the second book that I'm writing this year. And I want you to just take a moment to listen as you listen to the words I'm about to read to you and think about how they affect your life. What's going on in your life? What things have you not dealt with? What do you need to deal with now to make sure that you have an absolutely kick-ass, stonking, cracking 2015? The very facade my life had become was killing me slowly and silently way back eight years ago. You're a failure. Insidious negative mind mind viruses, self-neglect and tabloid headlines were rife and rampant in my head. But that wasn't my voice. My real voice for the first time in a long time spluttered two words. No more. Those words changed my life forever. How would your life be if you suddenly got two words that changed your life? What does no more mean to you? Well, let me tell you what it meant for me. I couldn't take any more. I walked into a shop eight years ago, a shop ten minutes before, to get an outfit I wouldn't buy for a party I wouldn't really go to. Size 16? Nope. 
18? Uh, no, but size 20. Size 20. I knew my clothes had been feeling a little snug lately and I'd possibly put on a little bit of weight, maybe a kilo or three, but size bloody 20. How the hell did that happen? I didn't have a set of weighing scales at home to humiliate myself with. They'd been recycled a few years before that in an increasingly frequent moment of self-pity. I had now absolutely perfected the art of not looking at myself in the mirror for any length of time. Or for that matter, looking at any shiny object which could potentially show my reflection and give me a reality check at any moment. I was, at this point, a self-taught grandmaster at using the mirror to see only what I wanted to see. I needed a little stand-mounted beauty mirror in order to avoid accidentally invoking a corneal ulcer when applying my mascara, but that's all I had. And obviously to ensure I left the house on the days when I actually wore makeup, not looking like a clown. Although I now see the irony in that statement, because when you look like I did at that time and you feel like I did at that time, how I felt, no amount of makeup could hide me away from anything. No amount of makeup can hide you from yourself or the rest of the world. My pitiful self-image didn't want this ruthless reflection to point out my flaws and four boys. But most of all, I couldn't bear to be reminded of all the failings. No one wants to feel a failure, so I'd stop looking. I didn't look. Then the voices rallied, rushing to my aid. This couldn't be happening. These shops were making the clothes smaller, using less material, and it was a cruel thing to do, leaving women all over the country feeling ashamed and frustrated that they couldn't fit into the sizes they wanted to fit into. And they probably did it to save money as well as making them in third-world sweatshops with forced child labour. It was disgusting. It was an outrage. I was appalled at their greedy, selfish behaviour. This was the level of thinking I'd come to by now, to justify and excuse my own self-neglect. But today, this particular day, it wasn't working. Alone, I was trying to keep my composure, with my mind in overdrive, full of self-loathing and anger. I peered out through the crack in between the curtains. I was presented with an image that absorbed my own self-pity in an instant. As I looked out through the curtains, I could not help but stare at the female, my female companion who occupied the cubicle opposite me. At least I didn't look like that. Jeez, she was as fat as a house, huge, overweight, out of condition. I bet myself silently she needed at least a size 22. She looked exactly how I didn't want to. And the thought that flashed through my mind, clear as day, was that if ever I looked like that, I'd definitely do something about it. I was mesmerised, and instantly another mind virus kicked in. I suddenly felt a little better, knowing someone else was even fatter than me. Even worse off. Phew. I felt a momentary sense of relief, as I was not alone. I continued to stare. I couldn't help myself at the large lady opposite. And I knew I really shouldn't, but I did. Then, without warning, our eyes met and she caught me. In an instant, too late, I ducked reflexively back behind the curtain. And so did she. It then occurred to me the cubicle opposite was empty. 
My brain was trying to register this. Time stood still with beads of sweat bursting out on my forehead. My heart raced, trying to find a reasoning, trying hard to burst out of my chest. Nausea rose up from the pit of my stomach. A searing, burning sensation filled my throat, choking back the scream. I was so desperately wanting to let out. I realised with a grim finality that I had been staring at my own distended, misshapen body. I had been looking at myself. I turned to the mirror behind me and the tears stung my cheek. Then the room closed in and darkness took me. I was slumped in a lady's changing room with several outfits that didn't fit, that I didn't want and that I would never buy. Going through the motions of trying to find something suitable to wear to a Christmas party I knew I wouldn't go to. I had a wardrobe full of stuff already. I'd gone through this process so many times before. I was desperate now. This had become a routine. Why did I do this to myself time after time? It had become a torturous, almost sadistic ritual. Being given an invitation to something someone had felt sorry enough to invite me to. Receiving the invite and feeling slightly better for the simple fact that at least I hadn't been thought of. I'd been thought of out of self-pity, but knowing that even when I was accepting the offer, I was never really going to go. I would plan what I'd wear, knowing I would never wear it, and unconsciously start preparing the excuse I would give nearer the time to relieve myself of the embarrassment of having to attend a social event. No need to feel uncomfortable mingling with a crowd of people who would expect me to be my happy bubbly self, when on the inside I was a crumbling wreck. Just trot out another excuse about childcare problems or work commitments and I would stay at home, where it was safe with my friends Ben and Jerry. My life had become one massive contradiction, saying one thing while feeling another, pretending everything was great when it was anything but. The very facade my life had become was killing me, slowly and silently. Emotionally and mentally I was dying and a few short weeks later I would find out physically that it was even worse. The fact that I was actually well on my way to killing myself would would, would become my reality. I was trapped in my own body, a helpless victim of my unfortunate genetic makeup, my heavy bones, a slow metabolism and a hectic lifestyle that meant I had to eat what I could when I could. The cards had dealt me a terrible blow and all was conspiring against me to increase my weight and decrease my happiness despite my best efforts to the contrary. Except that wasn't the truth. The truth was that it was my mind that was holding me prisoner. Somewhere deep down I desperately wanted freedom from the turmoil that was raging in my being. Each day a new battle to face, or more likely the same battle to face again. I felt like life had chewed me up and spat me out. I used to be so strong, coping admirably with all that life had to throw at me, receiving compliments on my high spirits and stiff upper lip. But I had somehow, somewhere along the way, become my own worst enemy. I was fighting me. And no one else. I had been listening to the advice of others, well-meaning and not. For too many years now. And I had become fearful of living my own life. Always worrying what others might say, think or do. So I hid and I dodged. And I made excuses. But I felt utterly rejected, beaten by the world. And as my breakdown in the fitting room graphically demonstrated, there was nowhere else to hide. 
nowhere left to run. I slouched on the bench, afraid to open my eyes, wanting the ground to open up and swallow me whole in that changing room. Over the last ten years, a series of events that led up to that day in the changing room were outside of my control and had come to me one after the other, conspiring to drag me down into the depths of depression that I now inhabited, dealing out body blow after body blow. As with so many people today, I was busy nurturing others with whom I shared the traumatic events, encouraged them to feel good about themselves and raising their spirits, but forgetting to do it for myself. Except I hadn't forgotten. It was deliberate, because when you focus on helping others, it lets you off the hook. You help others deal with their problems so that you don't have to deal with yours. But it takes its toll. Slowly, incipiently, it takes its toll. My own feel-good gauge at that stage was now at an all-time low. The tank was empty. I'd nothing left to give, so the engine spluttered, and then it stopped. Looking back on that time in my life, I was hoping that someone would help me, that they would do the same for me as I'd done for them. I had started to become resentful. I knew I had no right to expect others to make me feel better. But surely, if I was helping them, they should help me too. But if I'm honest now, I knew they wouldn't. It was all just a charade to excuse me from the responsibility of sorting my own life out. A diversion. I never voiced my innermost feelings of sadness, resentment or fears to anyone. It all stayed inside me and as my emotions had become self-contained and confined to my own headspace, they had turned inward and started to attack me. Don't get me wrong, I'm no Mother Teresa. It was pride that kept it all there. Kept them all locked in. What I didn't verbalise, the self-loathing, the denial of the situation and the sheer size of the problem I needed to confront, it was all building up inside me, welling up like a volcano. And more often than not would have a mini eruption. I'd lose my temper easily over the most mundane things, being snappy and curt. But the one thing that was really out of control was my binging, my overeating, which led to feeling tired and unwell, physically and mentally, all of the time. It had become an utterly overwhelming, vicious circle and the more these behaviours took hold, the worse I felt. The worse I felt, the more I binged and the angrier I got. In my mind, I had created a reality where I believed everybody had this expectation that I was strong and could weather any storm. And if I didn't, then I would lose face, be a failure or become less of a person in their eyes. Needless to say, I never went to that Christmas party. Later that day I visited a friend I hadn't seen for a year or so. The door swung open and she looked puzzled as she studied me carefully before speaking. She said, If it wasn't for your lovely smile, Debbie, I wouldn't have known you. What have you done to yourself? I stood like a statue as my smile evaporated. I had no answer, but her question was what I needed to confront. What had I done to myself? How had I got to this point where I felt so unhappy, hated the way I looked and my friend didn't even recognise me? You may think this lady, a close family friend, was rude for being so blunt and tactless, but her greeting was the final blow to my pantomime, breaking asunder my carefully crafted illusion forever. And for that I will be eternally grateful for her honesty. Her words changed my life. You know, life gives us clues that things aren't right. It practically screams in our faces. 
there is so much noise and overwhelm out there for all of us. All the things around us that we think we should be doing, that we often fail to hear the clues or pop the warning call on hold when we get those warning signs. We ignore the signs, but at what cost? I wanted to be a good role model for my children and surely my unhappiness couldn't be having that big effect on my children, could it? My life was a contradiction of promoting health yet ignoring my own. I was an accident and emergency nurse, encouraging other people to take care of themselves whilst ignoring myself. Fear had become my friend, who I hid behind. It was time to make my difference, and I knew it. That was my turning point, and I share that with you today, because each and every one of us has a turning point. What will yours be? How far are you prepared to let things go before you say, enough is enough? In sharing my story, I pass on the gift of self-reflection, self-awareness and self-care. These are three key ingredients that you need to be applying to your life every single day. To live a life that you are totally connected to, with peace of mind, that peace of mind that we all seek. It's time for you to live courageously facing your fears. Forgive easily to let go of the experiences that have happened to us and just take the lessons that we require to help us live a fulfilled life. To let go of all those experiences that do not serve us and it's time for us to be able to be loved and to love deeply, to put ourselves at the top of our action list. You can do it. It all starts with accepting you want to. Are you ready to accept in 2015? I'd love to spend more time with you. So make sure you check out my free Google Hangouts over on Google+. Plus. I run them every fortnight. Make sure you follow me on Twitter at Debbie Huxton. And now you can go to bigwisdom.tv where I share lots of quick information for you to fill your mind up with great inspiration to get rid of those dark days and start looking at the light and understanding that you matter and 2015 is your year. So for now, I'm going to say have an amazing week ahead of you and don't forget, new podcast up next week. Take care, everyone. Bye-bye. You have been listening to Debbie Huxton's Big Wisdom Podcast. To inject more big wisdom into your life, follow Debbie on Twitter at Debbie Huxton. For more valuable content, visit her website at www.debbie-huxton.com.